Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Have you ever had somebody ever tell you that you're perfect? Nothing wrong with you? Probably just the opposite is true. <clears throat> you know, growing up as a kid, and uh, you know, one thing I, I know uh, um, in my own experience was people tend to say what's wrong with you you know we heard that more than we heard you're perfect um and so that that happens you know but when our heavenly father sees us in christ we were given the right to be called his children at the moment of our conversion and as children of god yes we are perfect to him and this has nothing to do with performance or behavior. So the thing is, you know, even when we sin on occasion, and that's that's what Christians do. I mean, we do. We're learning how to not sin as much. Remember, that's why we go to fellowship together on Sunday, but uh, to learn how to not sin. Because remember, before Christ, we were sinners, and so we were in Adam sinners, sinning at that. That was our purpose. So now in Christ, children of God, we have to learn how to do what's right and to live upright, godly lives in the last days. And that's what the grace of God is all about. <clears throat> and so one thing our Father speaks to us through the Word is that we're, we're perfect to Him all the time. There's been times in my personal life where I've sinned and I thought I took it too far. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like, well, you know what, <clears throat> I've just taken it too far. I could never be perfect to the Father anymore. So what, what happens is we leave faith in what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us and we go over here to independence and we lean on our own understanding and make it about our performance and behavior. And remember that... Um, the Holy Spirit is in us to teach us this. In 1 John 2, 27, tells us the Holy Spirit is in us, will teach us everything we need to know. And one thing the Holy Spirit confirmed in my spirit was this. This has nothing to do with performance or behavior, but God the Father loves you just the way you are. <clears throat> Even when I thought I took it too far and fell away from His love. Okay, so remember, Jesus lives forever, and we're one spirit with him under this new covenant. The writer of Hebrews tells us that uh, that because he lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So what Christ does for us, because we are in him and he is in us, is he always intercedes on our behalf to the Father. In other words, he's always saying, Father, they're always perfect to you because they're in me and I'm in them. You see, remember God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word righteous actually means, the Greek word for righteous is the chaos, and it means to be right in the eyes of God. And so that happens at the moment of our conversion. It goes clear to the time we're absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so now we can trust the Spirit to lead us and guide us and uh, teach us how to act consistent with who we really are as children of God. <clears throat> the author of Hebrews also says, By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So the, the new blessings that we're, we're talking about is the new blessings of the new covenant, of course. And so the, uh, the word obsolete is a word that we hear um, 
when something we used to use is no longer in effect. Um, in fact, it's gone. There's no longer any, any of those in store or any of them to be found anywhere because we have something better. An example of that would be, oh, an 8-track. You know, I don't know if many of you might not even know what an 8-track is, but an 8-track stereo is something we used to have before we had DV, or CDs, CD players in our cars, and before we had cassette players in our cars. We had 8-tracks, and so they were really popular, but you know, you just can't find them anywhere. You know, you go to Goodwill, you can't even find one there. And so they're gone. They're, there's nowhere to be found. And so why? Because we have something better. You see, and that's the way this new covenant is. When uh, the writer of Hebrews says, because we have something better now, the old is obsolete. The old covenant. Remember, the old covenant, folks, was between God and the nation, people of Israel. It's where man reached up to God through self-effort in hopes of gaining his love. New covenant was where God reached down to us with love and acceptance through Jesus Christ. So the difference is there, under the old, we were initiating so God would respond. New covenant, God initiates and we respond. You see the difference there? So the body of Christ is a holy nation. Um, the Apostle Peter says we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may be declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so remember, as God's chosen, perfect people, um, the old covenant is set aside now so that he could establish the new so trying to live the Christian life is over. New covenant is all about trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us. Remember, he dies for us so he could give his life to us, so he could transmit his life through us. That's why we read the, uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says he sets aside the first covenant to establish the second covenant, you see. And by that covenant, the new covenant will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's right holy, set apart, God's chosen people. And so we're not better, we're different. So remember, His divine power now has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God bless. The Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the Corinthian church, um, and he's saying the ministry of death is replaced by the ministry of life. And so we're dead to the law, he basically is going to say, and we're no longer under the law of Christ. We're no longer under the law. <clears throat> um, now, we're going to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 and 9 through 9. And Paul is going to give us the difference between the two, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so he's going to say this. That's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. He says, If the ministry that condemns men brings condemnation is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Of course, he's, 
he's given us a picture of the old covenant and the new covenant. Remember, the new covenant is between God and the followers of Christ Jesus, where the old covenant was between God and Israel. And so we have to remember that uh, he says there that uh, the old covenant condemned men and it brings condemnation, where the new covenant brings righteousness. Um, and then he goes to say that the old covenant was glorious. It had no, it, it was glorious, but it had no glory in comparison with the surpassing glory of the new covenant, you see. And so he says the old covenant was fading away. It came with glory. Um, and how much greater is the glory that lasts forever? That's the new covenant. Um, and so the law, remember, the law stimulates um, a believer to sin. It actually fuels sin's engine to sin. If you want to get a believer to go out and sin, just give them the law. And so it's kind of like, you know, when we were kids, they said, keep off the grass. We saw these signs and, you know, we didn't even think about walking on the grass, did we? Until we saw that sign. Um, or don't touch the paint. It's wet. Or wet paint signs. We would see that and we would test it. You know, it would fuel sin's engine in us to want to do that very thing. Um, Paul says the sting of death is sin in his first letter to the Corinthians. And the power of sin is the law. That's why he never gave the Corinthian church um, laws. Um, he would be very careful and he wouldn't point out their sins. Um, but rather he pointed out their identity and who they were in Christ to the Father. Remember, before Christ, sinful passions were aroused by the law. So, for instance, as an example, I was dead in sin for 34 years. And many of you might know my testimony. I was an alcoholic and a drug addict before Christ. Um, and so, you know, I actively chose that lifestyle um, as I was in Adam as a sinner. And remember, sinner is just sin. That's what they do before Christ. But at conversion, we're taken out of Adam, placed in Christ, given a new identity, child of God. So now we're led by the Spirit. And so, but these sinful passions were aroused, the Apostle Paul says. Um, for, in, for an example, they used to tell us, uh, you just can't drink normal, you know. And I would hear that. And what it did is it, uh, it fueled that, those sinful passions. They were aroused by that. And so I'll show them, you know, I'll go out and drink and show them that I can drink. Not only will I show them that I can drink, but I'll drink everybody under the table, you see. <clears throat> you know, when we were controlled by the old nature before Christ, our sinful desires were at work within us, and they, the law aroused these evil desires. You see, the, that produced the harvest of, of course, um, sinful deeds resulting in death. Um, but remember, if we break one law, we break them all. Again, that's a problem with the law. Um, you know, uh, as we see uh, Moses coming down Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandment law, and he says, um, in the first commandment, it actually says, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Well, what did he see? He actually saw everybody breaking that first commandment. And James is telling us in chapter 2, verse 10, that if a person who keeps all the law except for one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. And so that's a problem. We break one, we broke them all. And so, um, and then Paul's going to go on to say, he's going to write a letter to the Galatian church, and he's saying, cursed if you obey the law. 
In fact, he says those who depend on the law to make themselves right with God are under the curse, his curse, God's curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So remember what curse is. The, the curse is a separation from Christ, and it's falling from his grace. Okay, so we have to remember we're always one spirit with the Lord, his spirit. So it's not completely being cut off from him. It's just where the Galatians chose to live independent lives. And we see that a lot today in the body of Christ. In fact, I used to do this before I understood the truth. Um, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit is in us to teach us this. But it's, you know, we go from independent living to dependent living on Christ. And so when we choose to go independent, like the Galatians did, um, they separated themselves from Christ, meaning they chose to live independent lives. Is all. And so they jumped off the tree of life, which is trusting Christ, and they jumped over on the other tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, and they were just living independent lives. Of course, falling from grace, um, you know, we're complete through our union with Christ. But the Apostle Paul says here, when, when he refers to falling from grace, um, all he's saying here is you're complete through your union with Christ, but you won't experience that. You see, your love and acceptance needs are met. You're completely satisfied in Christ, but you don't experience that, you see. And so we think we're needy people, and that's the problem with falling from grace. But all they did was go over here and try to make themselves right through human effort. And we can fall into that trap too. Of course, the enemy does not want the body of Christ to know this truth that we are forgiven and right with God all because of Jesus Christ. And this has nothing to do with performance or behavior. In fact, it starts at the moment of conversion when we went from unbelief to belief in Jesus Christ and it goes with us clear to the time we're absent from the body, present with the Lord. So now what are we to do? When Paul writes his letter to the church in Christ at Colossae, in chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, he says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And so he starts in verse 8 there and basically says, Don't let anybody capture you with this nonsense that you have to live an independent life. You know, they give us those uh, WWJD bracelets. You know, those were a big thing going around. And what would Jesus do in the body of Christ? would just go off and live independent lives. And they would say things like this. I just want to do something for Jesus. and uh, Or, you know... <clears throat> And, and, and I ask them why they're in the ministry, and they say, well, I'm doing this for Jesus. And so that's the problem. That's the problem with that. Of course, uh, that's why Paul is warning the body of Christ to, you know, be alert. Um, and so in verse 9, he's going to say that, uh, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Now, Think about this, folks. When we're born again, we go from spiritual death to life in Christ. One God, three functions, living in the body of Christ. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when we look for the Trinity, we're going to look in our spirit. Remember 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with his spirit. And so now we're complete. Verse 10, Colossians 2, 10, we're complete through our union with Christ. So let's stay over here on the tree of life. And when we get over here, we're trusting Jesus took our sins. We're trusting that we're right 
children of God with the Father all the time. We're trusting that He loves us unconditionally. This has nothing to do with our performance or behavior. And now we're trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and teach us and renew our minds so we can be transformed. So let's let the Holy Spirit move what's already in our spirit up to our minds so our minds can be renewed. That way we can be transformed. Thank you. Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today, talking about thoughts today. You know, every one of us struggle with our thoughts. You know, it's, you know, there's so many things that go on in our lifetime and throughout our day that crave our attention. Wouldn't you agree? Well, you know, we've got uh, our annual checkups. Our doctor, we go to the doctor and he tells us things that we've never had before. And he says, oh, by the way, did you know that you have this on your test? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. That's brand new to me. And then they say, well, it's nothing to worry about. I mean, or it's it's like, uh, well, you know, we did a test and you're at risk. Um for something serious and you know and that's it just goes on you know we have all these external things that the enemy wants us to focus on that's right satan is the god of the external and so what he wants to do is get everybody's thoughts and minds on the circumstances on the people that are in our lives or that we're concerned about and uh, you know the you know who i'm talking about the family Um, member that's maybe in prison or the family member that has cancer or even the diagnosis that you received from the doctor or maybe even uh, something the doctor might have said to you um, that scares you and uh, you know you're at risk you know you need to do something about it and so you know it's 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 a constant struggle for all of us first of all this is something we all struggle with Something I woke up to uh, the Lord, I had something to say to him, and I asked him a question. I said, Lord, I'm having troubles, man. I'm having troubles with my thoughts. Um, all these external things that are going on in my life and in other people's lives that I care about, I cannot stop thinking about them. And um, what do I do? What's the answer to this problem? And, um, you know, he doesn't answer right away course it took about all day for him for me to get an answer from him but he used uh, a situation uh, a circumstance uh, my brother in Christ uh, who calls me daily um, uh, is in prison and of course he's uh, separated from a 25-year marriage and he hasn't seen his uh, their child in a couple of years three years and so all of these thoughts are racing through his mind and you know all the regret and the his decisions that he made and you know and and he asked me the question when I talked to him he says can you maybe you can help me with this question that I have um I'm having troubles with my thoughts I'm thinking about my wife my ex-wife my you know our children or my you know our boy and um, I'm thinking about all the circumstances you know the things that I did to put myself here and you know, I just, it takes me away, and uh, my mind is on these things, and, you know, my emotions are there, and, you know, I'm just undone, and so he's trying to uh, 
get an answer for this, you know, keep in mind that, you know, a lot of times if we don't have the answer to this question, we will go to the psychiatrist when we're undone and they'll give a pill to us. Uh, They'll prescribe a pill. Um, They'll write us out a prescription and, uh, of course, we'll go to the doctor or the pharmacist and they'll give us this pill that, uh, you know, melts the uh, um, anxiety away. But it just grows back. The anxiety comes back after the medication um, is wearing off. And so, you know, that's not the answer. Um, And so what is the answer? First of all, the repentance is a change of thinking. It's like if I'm walking one direction and the Lord just says, turn around and go the other way. Well, you're going to change your way of thinking. You see, our will is the chooser. And so what do we do if our minds go on external things? First of all, we have to recognize that Satan wants our focus, our thoughts, and our minds on external things. Okay, so he's going to be the one in charge of that. Um, Paul says this in his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, so the answer is to fix our thoughts on what is unseen, um, not on the things that are seen. For what what is seen is temporary but the things that are unseen are eternal. Of course, he's, he's speaking uh, spiritually here, and he says, we have another focus. For all of us believers in Christ Jesus, remember, to abide in Christ means to just live in Christ. It's kind of like where you're at right now. You're in a building. You're in a car. Listening to this message, you're living in that area right now at that very moment. That's what it means to abide in Christ. It's just recognize that we live in him. And so it's not an effort or anything we do. And also remember that he lives in us. And so, of course, I'm speaking to the body of Christ now. Um, And so what we do is we choose. Our will is the chooser. Remember, our mind, our will, and our emotions are all tied together. That's our soul, our personality. We're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And so we want our thoughts, we want to choose to take our thoughts and our mind into our spirit. That's where we're going to see our union in Christ. Whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay, so instead of thinking about the external things which Satan is the God of, we start thinking about living in Christ, how he is now our life, and he is now in us as our life. And so living in him he's living in us that's our focus and so for unbelievers though um, who live according to the flesh that's who we were before Christ we had our minds set on what the flesh desired and of course our minds and our thoughts were always on the external things because we did not have an eternal focus remember before Christ and speaking to the person there that's not in Christ um, as we all were um, we were spiritually dead, separated from God. So our only mind, our only focus and our our focus where we would put our minds and thoughts was, of course, on circumstances, external things. But Paul says this in Romans 8, 5. He says, um, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So, of course, he's speaking in Romans 8, 5 um, of unbelievers and believers. So, like I was saying, when we uh, were before Christ in Adam's inner, 
we were, uh, our mind was set on the, the things of the flesh, meaning external things. Okay, and so that's why we were undone. And that's why a lot of times unbelievers go to psychiatrists, you see. For the Christian, though, who is in Christ, we go to the pastor or the Christian counselor, and they're going to point us back into Christ. Remember, those who live according with the Spirit, that means those who are in Christ, remember to abide in Him is to live in Him, and He lives in us. Now, our mind is set on what the Spirit desires, and what the Spirit desires most of all is our thoughts and minds on Jesus. The author and writer of Hebrews in chapter 3 says, put your thoughts on Jesus. Okay, He lives in us. See, we're, we uh, live in Him, and He lives in us. And so, so um, today we uh, want to focus in, we want to turn our eyes inward and look to the living Christ that is within us. Remember, Jesus died for us so he could give his life to us, so he could transmit his life through us. God bless.